Welcome to the Tuesday version of the Daily Walk. I'm your host, Wayne Clevenger, and today we finished the book of John, and it's John's version of the Passion of the Christ, and there's so much in here that is only in John, and it's so, so good. It's amazing. I was just talking to my students yesterday, and I was talking about a Bible that you can look at And then if you have a device, you can hover over an icon and it will, if you have their app, it will take you to all the information you need to study it further. It's called the Filament Bible. And I suggest that if you want, you can do that. But I have several of those Bibles in the book of John. So if you are interested in that study and you're listening to this podcast, go to our Daily Walk Facebook page and just message us and let us know. And we can do a Zoom Bible study through that. And I will get you that book because it's great. Because John is known as the gospel of John, that is the salvation story because of how much it has in salvation. And we'll hear and hear a lot about the I am in this again because Jesus refers to himself as the I am many times in the Passion as John writes. So we start off in John 18. We're in John 18 through 21. And Jesus gets betrayed. And what is interesting is Judas comes with a whole legion of people, guards, temple guards, Roman soldiers, and they come with blazing torches, lanterns, and weapons. So if you set yourself at that scene, I mean, it looks like something from like Beauty and the Beast when they're going after the beast, right? If you've ever seen that movie. And when they arrive, Jesus looks at Judas and tells him, you know, he says to the people, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus, the Nazarene. And he says, I am he. And the I am is capitalized. I think that's so cool. And when he says that, they all fell to the ground. They drew back and fell to the ground. So it's like when he says, I am, and he says that twice, I am he, because they're kind of like pausing, you know, because Judas was standing there. He doesn't mention the kiss. He doesn't mention anything else, but he just says that he asked them who they're looking for. But he really makes a point, John does, to say that they drew back and fell to the ground. And then he asked them again as they're on the ground, who are you looking for? 
And again, they replied, Jesus the Nazarene. This just shows the amazing respect that they get because I really believe they're seeing the I am in this. And they realize, you know, the sovereignty and the presence they're in. And Jesus says again, I told you, I am, and it's capitalized again. So here, three times they get the I am. And so he says, I'm the one you're looking for. And since I'm the one you're looking for, leave these others alone and let them go. And so that fulfills a prophecy that he didn't lose a single one of those he that the Lord had given him. So when they do that, you know, that's when John just mentions that Peter pulls his sword out and here he's named. It doesn't say just one of the disciples. It names Peter by name and slashes off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest slave. So we get the names of those involved in this, but it doesn't say anything about Jesus healing the man. It just tells that Jesus told Peter, put your sword back into its sheath. Shall I not drink from this cup of suffering the Father has given me? Here's See, Jesus <clears throat> excuse me, tells him to put his sword back because we don't act that way. Remember, he just, in the previous chapters of John, said, <clears throat> excuse me again, this new commandment I give you is to love each other as I have loved you. And Malchus is part of each other because then they will know you're my disciples. So if we're supposed to love each other, even those out there, we have to show love unconditionally to everybody. And Jesus says, I've told you we don't do that. And so he's telling Peter, don't be that way. And then Jesus is going to show this same disposition through this whole trial. We've seen that in the other three Gospels. But we're really going to get to see this here. So then Jesus is taken to Annas' house. And uh, that's where Caiaphas gets to. Uh, remind them that, you know, didn't I tell you that one man should die for the people? And then Peter has his first denial. But here's what's interesting. John makes a point that there's this other disciple, and we can only kind of figure that that might be John, because he doesn't really mention the other disciple, but John's writing this, and he says the other disciple was acquainted with the high priest, that other disciple, so he was allowed to enter the high priest's courtyard while Peter had to stay outside. Then the disciple who knew the high priest spoke to the woman watching at the gate, and she let Peter in. So this other disciple got Peter inside the courtyard. And then that's where Peter's first denial takes place. So what John does is he lets us know as readers that, yes, Peter got in the courtyard, but I was there too, or this other disciple. And 
it's kind of this, look, Peter denied him, but I didn't. And it's not a out-in-your-face thing. It's this implied thing. And I was talking to my students yesterday about the Bible doesn't always say straight up what's going on. It's this implied thing that you kind of got to figure out. And that's why this uh, application Bible I'm talking about is really good because it helps us get a deeper understanding. And so uh, that's where the first one takes place. And they ask, aren't you the man's disciple? And he says, no, I'm not. And because it was cold, the household servants made a charcoal fire and they stood around warming themselves and Peter stood there too. So this is what John makes note of here is that this takes place. So then Jesus goes before the high priests, you know, and they start dogging him. And he knows, they're asking him what he teaches. And he says, everyone knows that I teach and what I preach. Why are you asking me that? And he's, you know, then he gets slapped in the face. And he says, if anything I said was wrong, you must prove it. But I'm speaking the truth. Why are you beating me? <laughs> and so Annas can't get anything from him. So then he sends him to Caiaphas. Well, Caiaphas really doesn't get anywhere. Then he goes to Pilate. So Pilate, and he's dressed in this purple robe, got his crown of thorns and all that. And this dissertation with Pilate is really good. Because Pilate asks, and John's the only one that writes this, okay? Pilate says, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus just asks him, is that your question? Or did someone put you up to that? And he's, Pilate's like just kind of put out by that. And it's like, your own people and the leading priest brought you here. Why? What have you done? And so Jesus answers and says, you know, my kingdom's not of this world. If it was, I could have a bunch of people come and save me but my kingdom's not of this world. And so Pilate's like, ah, so you are a king. And so Jesus says again, you know, so you you say I am a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize what I say is true. So what's really cool is, if we know the truth, now we go back to uh, John 8. Jesus says, if you abide in me, then you will know me better. Woo! Because the truth will set you free. That's what he's saying here. If you know the truth, you love the truth, you recognize the truth, and you stay with me and you know me. And he's just reiterating that. And so Pilate goes, yeah, what is truth? And I think today that's what we do. We get so stretched out with relativism that we we take truth and we turn it into what is truth. And I actually have a textbook from when I was in college. It's, it's called The Truth As It Is Known. And it really talks about what different people see as truth and why they believe it's truth. <clears throat> and we may, <clears throat> excuse me, man, I don't know what's going on today. 
We may think that we understand truth and we may know it really well, but then there's others who have never seen the truth, heard the truth, and their perception of what is truth is distorted because the only thing they've ever heard is a different way. And that's why it's so important that Jesus come into the world to set us free with the real truth. (laughs) So, Pilate already decided he's not guilty. Why are you bringing him here? Excuse me again. And he's like, would you like me to release this king of the Jews? And there shouted, all the people shouted, no, no, not this man. We want Barabbas. You know, Barabbas was the the guy that was a, a convicted murderer, and they want him. So the people uh, are yelling, crucify him, crucify him. So Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. The soldiers are... You know, they weave that crown of thorns, place a purple robe on him. They mock him, slap him, spit in his face. They do all those bad things to him. And then they bring him back out in front of the people again. And Pilate says to Jesus, you know, hey, I have the power to set you free. And Jesus says, I love this. You have no power. What? Well, actually, here, let me read it to you. I don't want to. This is so good, I don't want to mess it up. Jesus said, chapter 19, verse 11, you would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. So he's letting Pilate know that the only power he has comes from that which was given to him from God. He's letting him know that he has power because God has ordained that power and given it to him and that he should understand that everything he has was created from that above. And remember in John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and everything was created through him. Nothing was created without him, and everything was created through him. I mean, here's the Word standing right here, and he's telling him, look, I gave you that power. So here's the deal. The ones that have handed me over to you, these religious leaders, these Pharisees, these people saying crucify me, they're the ones they're going to be held in greater judgment because they know what they're doing and you're still trying to figure it out. And that's why Jesus taught you will be judged by what you know. And so Pilate tried to release him to the Jewish leaders and they started yelling again, crucify him, crucify him. So when Pilate turns him over to the people he says i find him not guilty this is all on you and they this is where john alone does this so they took jesus away carrying the cross by himself remember all the other gospels talk about simon of cyrene carrying the cross for him but john makes a point to let us know that no jesus did carry his cross as far as he could But when Jesus couldn't 
handle it anymore and they got tired of waiting him because he kept falling under the weight of the cross and the soldiers were tired of going so slow that's when they pulled simon in to carry it for him because they just got tired of seeing jesus fall and he was going too slow so they made someone else carry it for him and then they could push him and beat on him some more while they were doing it see they had they had hidden agendas i talk about that so when he gets there they he makes a point to say they nailed him to the cross and then Pilate posts a sign because Pilate, remember, he's he's starting to get this. He hears the I am. He hears that his power comes from above. He's, his wife had this vision, you know, we heard in the previous Gospels. He's starting to get this. So Pilate posts a sign over Jesus that says, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. And he doesn't just do it in one language. He does it in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek so that anyone walking by can read it. Well, this this chaps the Pharisees, right? And so they, they want him to change the sign. And they want it to say, he said, I am king of the Jews. And Pilate says, nope, I've written what I've written. It's staying the way it is. So then we get the scene where Jesus is on the cross and he's weary and tired and he's all uh, just, you know, about to give it up. And he looks down at the women at the feet of the cross. There's Mary, his mother, and Mary Magdalene and, and Mary, the wife of Clopas. And he says, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here's the, and he says this disciple this time. So if he says this disciple, and this is the book of John, we have to think it's John. He says, here is your mother. And so it's only in John, and it says, and from this point forward, this disciple took her into his home. So he takes care of them. And what Jesus is saying is, look, man, you got to take care of each other. You got to take care of each other. And so then we get to the death of Jesus. And here's what's really cool. In this, it's the book that says, it is finished. Jesus says, it is finished. And then he gives up his last breath and gives up his spirit. You know, and that's really all John writes about the end when Jesus gives it up. But here's what I can tell you. When he says, it is finished, that is such powerful words because when he says it is finished, what is finished is a life of sin. What is finished is a life without Jesus. What is finished is being alone. What is finished is no way out. What is finished is anything that says we are excluded. What is finished is middleman stuff because that's when the veil was written too and we can go straight to the Father. I mean, those words are so loaded. And what is finished is Satan's grip on us. We no longer have that anymore. So 
Jesus dies on the cross, and, you know, the Sabbath is coming. So the Pharisees, they make sure they let us know this. The religious leaders and the Pharisees didn't want the bodies hanging there because the Sabbath's coming. And so they wanted the legs broken. So they go and they break the legs of the two guys hanging by them, which, you know, are those uh, thieves hanging by them on the cross. But when they get to Jesus, they find him dead already so they don't break his legs which fulfills prophecy as well but one of the soldiers this is only in john pierced his side and immediately blood and water flowed out now remember jesus said unless you drink of my cup and eat of my flesh you can never be a part of the kingdom right and then Remember, he also referred to himself as the living water. So this is all symbolic of the new covenant and what we need and what he gives in giving us eternal life. Because when he said it's finished, the old life is gone and the new life is here. And what pours out is this everlasting life. So he's pouring out everlasting life with that spear in his side. And there it is. Woo, that's exciting to me. So guess what? Here comes Joseph of Arimathea. And remember Nicodemus? Way back in John 3, he met Jesus at dark, and he wanted to know more about it. And then Nicodemus sticks up for him when the Pharisees are trying to kill him too early, and it's not his time yet, and says, hey, shouldn't somebody who's being accused of something at least get a trial? And they say, what, are you starting to follow him too? Well, Nicodemus comes to the cross with Joseph of Arimathea. And they took him down and they put him in a tomb close to the hill of Golgotha. And it was a tomb never been used before. Because Nicodemus is being transformed into a believer and my students and I talked about that yesterday are we followers of Christ or do we just believe that Christ exists and I think that's huge and we see here where Nicodemus is being transformed and not just knowing who Christ is or that there's a prophecy about him but being transformed into a relationship with Christ and we know that we have to believe to receive but now he has the full everything to be a follower too so the scene shifts it's three days later and jesus has risen from the grave the ladies go they don't find anything there they go back tell peter peter comes back looks in the grave and guess what he finds he finds the wrappings there but what's interesting you know it says only recorded in john is he finds the head wrapping folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Only John records this. Why is that significant? Well, it's significant because if you study this and look back, what's significant about that is if you go to a table and, and you are dining and you get up from the table and you fold what's customary is you fold your napkin and set it down. That is significant that you are returning. If you just leave your wadded up napkin 
you know those you know when you go to fancy restaurants they have those cloth napkins if you just leave your wadded up napkin down that means you're finished and you're gone you're leaving but if you fold it up and place it back down on your table setting that means you're returning like you're just taking a bathroom break or you got to take a phone call or whatever so the fact that jesus had his head covering folded apart folded and lying apart from the rest of his stuff signifies to us that he's returning again yeah he rose from the grave to return again so that we all can spend time with him and remember he told us that back earlier in john that don't think I'm leaving you as orphans. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And in my father's house, there are many rooms. Ooh, that's exciting to me. So Jesus has risen from the grave. We see that we get this little hint that he's returning again. And Mary's outside weeping because they. she's like, oh, he's not here. He's not here. And Jesus is standing right next to her. And he's like, what's the matter? Why are you crying? And she's like, oh, they he, they've taken him. I don't know where he's at. And then he, it's like, I always picture G, she's on her knees because Mary's always at the feet of Jesus, right? And Jesus says, Mary. And it's at that point, like he's got his hand on her shoulder and he's like, Mary. And it's at that point that she recognizes him. And she's like, Rabbi. And then he's like, don't cling to me yet, for I haven't ascended to the Father. See, he, he knows. He doesn't want her to cling to the physical part of him because she needs to have him living inside her. She can cling to that for eternity. So he tells her to go tell the guys that he's going to come meet him, and that's when he meets him. And here's what's interesting. We always talk about doubting Thomas, right? But what's real is when he shows up, they're all scared. And he says, peace be with you. Look, it's me. See my hands and my feet? And then they all get filled with joy, right? And he says this to them. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And I love this part because he goes, because it says, then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And I always think of Narnia. The Chronicles of Narnia, you know, when uh, the big lion guy, I can't think of his name right now, but he goes and saves Narnia and he breathes life back into the people that the bad witch put, you know, made into statues. And he just kind of breathes breath back into him. You know, the Holy Spirit, the Ruah, is, is breath. And, and he breathes life into him. Do you know we were created by God with his breath? And the same breath that created God and the first man, now that same breath breathes into us and we can have that breath, that Holy Spirit in us to guide us through life, to help us not sin, to help us stay out of sin, to help us live life without sin. If we just let the Holy Spirit come in and take us over and be fully committed to that, I can't tell I'm excited. I'm sorry, but that's just cool. And so they receive that, right? That's their first dose of it. And then 
you know, Thomas wasn't there, so they tell him, hey, we've seen him, we've seen him, and that, you know, and then they kind of diss him because he doesn't believe. But, you know, I just don't, I just don't think that's right because they didn't believe either till Jesus showed him. He says, no, it's me. Look, here's my hands and my, my, my uh, feet. Look at my hands and feet. Look at my side. So that's where we got to be careful on how we judge because we got to remember where we came from too. And that's my my boy's uh, clothing line it's called G.O.D., good old days. And it always, the, the mantra for it is remember where you came from. So when he sees them, he shows up again and Thomas is there and he says the same thing, peace be with you. Remember he told us the peace he gives the world can't receive because they don't know him. See, they he can tell them to have this peace because they know him. And then he t tells Thomas, hey, go ahead. Put your fingers here. Put your hand here. And Thomas just says, oh, my Lord, my God. You know, he's kind of repentant because he didn't believe. And then Jesus says to him this one phrase that I just love because it's about you and me. You believe because you've seen, but blessed are those who believe without seeing me. And so really that's like the end of the resurrection story, but we got to get to John 21 because this is where Jesus kind of kind of reinstitutes his mission for Peter. And there's some really good stuff here. So Peter, James and John are out fishing. They got Nathaniel with them. And here's here's something else. And two other disciples. So there's some no-name disciples in here that are out fishing. And I heard the greatest sermon on the no-name disciples at an ordination service one time because sometimes you got to be the no-name disciple. Sometimes you got to serve and you don't get any recognition for it. You don't get any pomp and circumstance you know you just got to serve because that's what God wants you to do and you can't worry about you can never play comparison comparison is the worst game ever and if we were playing for comparison if we're playing for results if we're playing for recognition you know that is the sin of pride and we don't want to be in that we want to do it for God and God alone and if we're the no-name disciple then that's okay and I think that's why John puts it in here because you see John referring to the disciple and the disciple that Jesus loved and this disciple. He doesn't put his name in, but he still leads us to see that this is probably him writing that, right? And so in this, there's two no-name disciples. So if you're that no-name disciple, be the no-name disciple with humbleness and know that you bring glory to God. And I have to live that often, and I'm I'm thankful for that message I heard. And I'm I'm not doing it justice because I'm abbreviating it so well, so much. But then Jesus asked them if they catch any fish, and they hadn't caught any. He says, "Throw your nets on the right side, and you'll get some." And of course they do, and they catch a whole bunch of fish, and the nets start to break. and And here's what John says: he, as soon as he recognizes that it it is such a miraculous thing. He gives all the glory to God. And he says, it's the Lord. 
And see, that's what I want us to see is when we see great things happen, let's just recognize that it's the Lord and give him glory right then and there. That's what we've started doing in our house is we just know when it's God and we say, it's the Lord. And that's our phrase, man. It's the Lord. We love it. Sunday, our service was so awesome. And we're just like, it's the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. The Holy Spirit was so alive. And we're just like, it's the Lord. And when we see great things in our home, we just, it's the Lord, because we give him glory. So then they come to the shore, they have some fish with Jesus, and Jesus calls to Peter and says, hey, Peter, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then he says, feed my lambs. Then he asks him again, do you love me? And he says, you know I love you. Take care of my sheep. And then he says a third time, do you love me? And this kind of bugged Peter because he's, you know, he's like, oh, he denied him three times. He's asking me three times. He's like trying to make sure that I'm for real this time maybe. And he says, then feed my sheep. So you got feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. So really Jesus is just trying to get to him that there's a lot of work to be done. And then he goes into telling him, look, you got a lot of work to do, and it's going to take a lot of effort from you. So just focus on what the mission is at hand. And then Peter says something about what about him, and Jesus is like, don't worry about other people. You know, remember that's kind of what got you in this position. Just be concerned about you and the position that you need to do. And that's how John closes out because he wants us to take care of his sheep, feed his lambs, take care of his, and feed his sheep. What a great book. So remember, if you want to get in on that app Bible in the book of John, send us a message to the Daily Walk Facebook page and we'll get you there. But have a great rest of your Tuesday. And tomorrow we start the book of Acts, which was also written by Luke. And it's super good because the Holy Spirit comes in his splendor. Have a great Tuesday. We'll see you tomorrow. Amen.